Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. U.S. President Joe Biden has used his first months in office to make several significant economic moves. Of course, there is the big stimulus package that's had to be maneuvered through both houses of Congress. But a U.S. president also has a lot of latitude with executive orders to make some profound changes. One we're quite familiar with here in Canada was his first day call to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline. But one that has garnered less notice, but might be very important for us in Canada, has been his order to review supply chains with an aim to address systemic weaknesses for America that provide other countries with leverage, countries like China, for instance. And the ultimate weakness for a lot of companies these days, cybersecurity issues. A Vancouver-based mining firm has a lot of stake in the Biden review, given that rare earth minerals are critical in the development of many new technologies. And the company owns a very large northern British Columbia field of exactly those elements. China plays a large role in this area worldwide, too, but it's decided recently to halt some exports of these rare minerals. So let's explore how the ground might be changing, no pun intended, with Craig Taylor. He's CEO and president of Defense Metals. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Listen, let's, uh, these deposits don't get a lot of public attention. I mean, they're, they're rare after all, but they're pretty crucial in the development of a lot of new technologies. Give us a, a really quick primer on their significance. Well, they're integral in all of the electric vehicle production that we're seeing today. We see uh, our deposits, neodymium and praseodymium, NDPR for short. And those are the high-powered, lightweight magnets that go into all of the electric vehicle motors. Um, so you're seeing that through Tesla, through every single advancement of electric vehicles, as well as wind generation. So wind power is, is critical now with the Biden uh, bill going forward. So you see wind farms picking up, and that's all rare earth related as well. And, and our deposit is, is strategically located outside of Prince George, BC, and those two critical minerals are the, the crux of our deposit. Yeah, I want to talk about that. So you have about 1,700 hectares north of Prince George and all of that, and, and uh, essentially, uh, what are its, its main ingredients, these two elements here? Yeah, well, neodymium and praseodymium, uh, as I said, make up the, the powerful lightweight magnets. Um, but you've got wind turbines, you've got 900 pounds of, of magnets in every wind turbine. Korea's just put an initiative forward to build a huge wind farm as well as uh, Great Britain. Uh, and every day when you check the news, someone else is coming forward with another wind farm initiative or electric vehicle initiative, whether it be a, a manufacturer or a country um, moving towards the, the electrification of, of the world, really. So, so what's the advantage of these minerals, Craig, and, and as opposed to other ones that are used in things like generators and engines and things like that? I mean, is it is it their weight? Is is it their efficiency? What's the what's the real? Primarily the power and the weight, because they're not only found in wind turbines and electric vehicles, but they're found in all sorts of military applications in in all of your electronics, in refrigeration. Um, uh, surveillance systems, your cell phone. So anything that has a small motor typically will have an NDPR magnet in it. Yeah. Um, they're rare. Do we have enough of them worldwide? Well, we do not right now. This is, and this is the issue. And so, you know, we were consulting with one of our, 
um, consultancy out of the States this week, who's an expert in the space. He's been studying it for 15 years. He's been to over 130 uh, different processing plants and deposits worldwide. So he said the end users right now are concerned because 80% of production comes out of China, but China now has enough internal need that they may be a net importer rather than exporter. And in North America or the Western world is just not prepared for that. We're not prepared for it, but uh, we better be, right? I mean, it's apparent now that China and the United States are going to have some testy times ahead. um, And that probably then affects us here in Canada. It it does. And we talk about the weaponization of rare earths, but, but I don't even think it's a weaponization coming out of China now. I think it's just they have enough demand internally that they they have electric vehicle mandates, they have green mandates, they have needs internally, and there's not enough processing outside of China for the West to to fulfill their own needs. So we're way behind the eight ball. And and what China did in the eighties is is they put forward a directive to become the world leader in rare earth development. And, and so the quote was we rare earth is going to be to China what oil is to Saudi Arabia. And so they followed that path and they now is 80% of production is now done in China, as as I mentioned. And the West has now woken up to this, but it takes time. Mountain Pass has just got uh, DOD funding, as has Energy Fuels, as has Linus in the United States to do processing, but it still takes years to get online through these cracking facilities and, and processing facilities. And there's an effort being made, and there has to be an effort being made, but uh, it's going to take some time. You say that maybe the focus ought not to be necessarily on weaponization of rare earth, but I mean, very clearly there are political consequences to this, including um, a country's own uh, economic progress and its and its mm. stationing in the wide world and its ability to, to develop these new technologies. How How is this shaping up now? Well, again, we're lagging, you know, and Elon Musk has a fact factory now in China, so he's able to take advantage of, of what they've achieved already as far as processing and their their downstream production, um, whereas we're trying to catch up. And it's critical. I mean, it goes from mining to processing to magnet production to vehicle production or cell phones or air conditioning or whatever it may be. So there's a whole chain of, of manufacturers and job opportunities and uh really opportunities for the West that they have to take advantage of. And they, you know, we're working towards that. We saw certainly during the Trump administration, uh, a real effort to assert America's economic supremacy, uh, to look at trade deals that were going to be favorable to the United States, to look at tariffs that would penalize a lot of countries for trying to, to move into American territory and all this. Joe Biden doesn't appear to be wanting to rattle that unduly but what what does his review of supply chains mean do you think for us here well you know i disagree according to our consultants in the united states uh, he hasn't swayed from that directive at all he's actually uh got a fairly firm stance when it comes to china and so the two two trillion dollar green initiative he's put forward is a uh, real shot over the bow i mean he he needs to secure the supply chain he he's made that clear and he's, he's making the financial commitment but is he? Uh, but but is are we going to see? Do you think of uh, a shift in U.S. policy toward 
uh, toward a, a supply chain that almost always flows through China for an awful lot of American goods. Well, it's imperative, and and they have they have made efforts, but but China, China funds all of their manufacturing, you know, and we don't know to what degree. Um, so the DoD has invested, I think, sixty million dollars in Linus in Texas, thirty million dollars in uh, <clears throat> Mountain Pass. Energy Fuels got funding, and in Canada, we've done the same through SRC, to Saskatchewan Research Council. Mm -hmm. So there's an effort being made, but it, it's not large enough yet, in my opinion. And I think it's increasing. And what signals are you sensing from China, not just to serve its own domestic market, but to really to deal with the supply chain issues uh, for the rest of the world? Is it is it possible that it's going to close itself a little bit to the Western world? Well, I, I think it's beyond closing itself. I think they're looking beyond their borders for sourcing. I mean, they're very uh -huh. aggressive. They understand uh, how critical this is. And and they're mobile. They're agile. Uh, you know, the Chinese government and their funding and their people um, really take steps towards uh, securing their economic future, whereas we're a little bit slow sometimes given the Western political environment. Yeah. So, so what's the pressure on a company like yours, Craig, in order to, um, I don't know, um, be the, be the, the loyal national citizen here? Good question. Uh, you know, we're hoping, and we have had minor government funding from the Canadian government. But we do have some more that we're entertaining through, through SRC. Um, but until the Canadian government comes and funds these these capital-intensive projects, um, it's difficult not to look at all your options. Yeah, and and do you have time on your side with this? Can you can you really afford to kind of wait it out? And, well, no. We we've got an extremely aggressive timeline. We we've gone from a bulk sample to pilot plant to. Uh, PEA within two years. So we've been very aggressive and we have future plans to do our PEA, uh, a flotation, sorry, we've done our flotation pilot plant. We're going to do now a uh, hydromet pilot plant, similar to what they're doing at Mountain Pass. Uh, we'll do some more drilling and then that's going to be uh, on the way to do a, a pre-fee study, hopefully early next year. So, so we're moving as quickly as we can. Uh, you know, and then there's permitting uh, issues as well as so we've started our environmental to try to uh, achieve a permit in the next couple of years. So we just move and, and advance, de-risk, advance, de-risk, and, uh, and you know, and, and eventually we'll get to production and, and we'll see who wants to take it. Last area, uh, I mean, this, of course, uh, this issue didn't really garner a whole lot of attention when Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden had their virtual meeting recently, but uh, am I correct to presume that there is a lot of behind the scenes activity taking place on all of this because of the strategic importance yeah, of these rare elements? Yeah, absolutely. We, we've just been invited uh, to a symposium between the U.S. and Canadian governments uh, in pursuit of critical minerals um, funding. So, so th there's definitely things behind the scenes in the works, and, and which is great. Which is really, really good. 
So what what would be your objective, you think, in, in 2021, for instance, in terms of progress on this issue so that you feel like uh, you've got a market, uh, either a, a domestic market or a continental market uh, for, for the important minerals that you're sitting on top of? Yeah, our, our timeline is very clear and our objective is very clear. We're going to do our PEA. We're going to do an, a hydromet pilot plant. We're going to do a drill program. We're going to pursue MOUs and offtake agreements through uh, a contract we signed with Wells, Wellsbach out of Singapore uh, in, in working towards our pre-feasibility study next year. So, so we're moving as fast as we can, as fast as the government and permits will allow. So in a sense, our government is running against the clock, not you. They, they are because of the, uh, the parameters in place. You have to go through, you know, and listen, we, we spoke to SRC and there is a possibility, remote possibility, that the, the governments will uh, eliminate some of these parameters to, to make it expedite the process. And, and I'm hoping that happens. Um, we haven't seen it yet, but that is a possibility. That's a good question. Such a fascinating area. I mean, I have, you're sitting on top of some really interesting things over here yeah. over the next 10, 15, 20 years of development uh, with a lot of technology. I want to thank you for your time today and try to help us explain what, what they are and what some of the implications are for all of this, Craig. Yeah, yeah thanks so much for having me. We're doing our best here, and I think it's a, you know, it's a global issue. Uh, the, the Europeans, the North Americans, they're doing their best, and we'll, we'll secure the supply chain and, and move it forward. All right. Sounds simpler than I'm sure it is. <laughs> Good <laughs> you. Thanks. Craig Taylor is the CEO and the president of Defense Metals. You've been watching BIB Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you again.